0: to the Artist Plunge podcast, a podcast exploring the curious relationship between artists and the other professions, jobs, and experiences that have allowed them to plunge into the art they create. I'm your host, Christy Darnell Batani. My guest today is Chilean botanical artist Geraldine McKinnon. After graduating from art school in Santiago and feeling a bit disconnected to its emphasis on conceptual art, Jerry set off to Easter Island which led to a life-changing adventure assisting her aunt with archaeological studies on the island. Crawling through caves with her sketchbook and a headlamp, Jerry discovered how to capture the truth of a plant with keen observation. Fast forward many years, Jerry has developed a sustainable career in botanical watercolor illustration, and in turn, her newest adventure, luscious, meticulously handcrafted mineral-based watercolors. So grab your sunscreen your smallest watercolor brush, and a whole lot of patience. And let's head to Santiago to see what Jerry's doing in the studio today. Oh, um, you're shaking something. You are... Do it again. You're shaking up spray paint? That doesn't seem right. What, what is that, Jerry? Well, this is an Altoids box, an Altoids tin. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> and
1: this tin uh, I've been carrying it for the last I don't know 13 years, and uh, it's pretty worn out. And it has my my plastic rubber.
0: Uh, it has a start, yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it has a little blade for cutting
0: plants specimens. Oh, yeah. Oh, like a little razor blade? blade yes. Uh-huh. And a pencil sharpener. And a pencil that I use. sharpener. Yes. And no so, no mints, no mints at all in no there. No mints, no. <laughs> when you said you'd been carrying it around that long, I thought those are some pretty old mints. I don't know how good that's going to
1: be. Yes. Well, I, I love this box because it's uh, been everywhere with me, like to Scotland, to Patagonia, to Easter Island, to Hawaii, many places with me drawing plants. <sighs>
0: so it's been a a very dear companion. Oh, isn't that wonderful how, like, something so small, in some ways insignificant as that, is a mint box, but it brings yeah. back all of these memories for you and, and takes you right there. Well, let's unpack that because already there's a lot of things I know our listeners are going to want to know about. So, first of all, where are you today? Where are you sitting? Well, I'm here in my house in Santiago, Chile. A
1: small country, you know, you've been here. Uh not a small country,
0: a very very long country, you know. (laughs) I I have to say, when we we flew into Santiago and then we were going on down to Patagonia, and so I was like, okay, so well, maybe we have to take another flight. Was not anticipating another three and a half hour flight down, like it it just keeps going and going and going. Yes. So are you from
1: uh are you from from Santiago? Yes, I was born here. Uh, I've lived here in the same neighborhood mostly all of my life. Uh, now I live in the house where I was actually born. Wow. in 1979. And my neighborhood is very special because I'm really I'm next to the mountains, mm-hmm. to the Andes. It's like the edge of the city. It's very beautiful. It used to be very rural when I was a child. So I grew up with lots of uh, fruit trees, animals around, like horses, pigs, um, many country people living around us. So it was a very, very nice place to grow up and very close to
0: nature. But now Santiago is Huge. huge! Oh my goodness! Like it's just staggering to me how big it is. I think you know in the U.S. I know big cities, New York and L.A. and things, but Santiago yeah. is is huge and it's very spread out. It seems,
1: yeah, um, and it's growing, growing. And now, uh, for me, it's very hard because I have uh, they're building buildings, mm-hmm. actual buildings next to my house up in the hills, and that's like. It's it's terrible for me, so I have to get used to it and breathe in and stay calm. Yes.
0: Do you still have some nature around you? Do you still have some green spaces? Yes, we do.
1: Yeah, yeah, we do have a a very big garden. Our garden is still big. Uh, Like uh, we're very privileged because uh, not too many people in the city can have a, a garden as big as the one we have. So I we do have space to chill out, to go out, to garden a little bit, to take care of our, uh, of our trees and plants. So it's very, very
0: nice to live here. Yeah. yeah. And you've already alluded a little bit to it, but you are a botanical artist and painter. And I want to come back to that. But before we do that... You mentioned that you live in the house that you grew up in. And I I love that idea that you left and you came back and now you're raising your own family there. And I think I read, is your, is your studio there at the house? Your art studio? My art
1: studio is here, but I'm not using it very much lately because I'm working in my shop where we met. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I do have a studio that's very beautiful. It used to be the bar of the house. I love that so, story. I yeah. think
0: I read that, that <laughs> this was your dad's sort of, um, he created a pub. And you're name yeah. is McKinnon, is there any Irish or other descendants? Yeah, there?
1: yeah. My my father's family came from Scotland, the from South. the Alter Hebrides. yeah, in 1910, my my great-grandfather came from there to Tierra del Fuego, to Patagonia. Oh, interesting. Uh, so my father was born in Punta Arenas. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, we do have relatives there and we still have relatives in Scotland as well.
0: But that that explains the necessity, of course, of having a pub in the downstairs of your own yes, house. <laughs> and a big garden too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I love that. But so that you've been able to convert that space into a studio workspace when you when you want to work at home, is that right? Yes,
1: and it's a very very nice place. Uh, it's very calm. It's beautiful. It has lots of stories. Uh, so it's a very nice place for me yeah. to work in. Yeah,
0: and so you were about to s- uh, tell us about where you go and where you and I met maybe you can tell our listeners about the studio and your workspace there yeah, I mean, well, it looks yeah well
1: so um a year ago i rented this little space in um in a kind of old town niche mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. that used to be a monastery many years ago hundreds of years ago and now it's a uh, like a uh, artisans Town, you know, so you can go there and you see the artist working little shops. So I was, I visited that place since I was very, very young Mm. and I always loved it. And uh, I also always loved little shops I could see in small towns in my traveling. In Chile, you don't have that too much. But uh, the times I've been to England or to Scotland or, t- or to the US or Europe in general, you always see these little neighborhoods with small shops. Yeah, And, and I think that many people can relate to that uh, joy of seeing the shops and, and you thinking like, oh, one day I would love to have a small shop. So that little thing was always with me, even though I studied art and I became an artist, a teacher, many things. But the shop thing was always there. Yeah. So a year ago, I decided to to start my new um, business, which is a small um, uh, handmade watercolor shop. So that's what I'm doing now, and I love it. It's really it's really lovely to work there with the other people. Uh, some people are very old; they've been there for forty years. Painting, doing doing their crafts. So to me, it's an honor to be a new generation, sort of uh, coming and and trying to get the place moving, bring new people, and sharing and learning from them. Yeah,
0: it, and Los Dominicos, right? Is is the name yes. of the market? Los here. Dominicos. Yeah, and it's interesting because um, that's how we met. And I had gone there, mm-hmm. and we were actually on our last day in Santiago, and our flight wasn't until much later in the evening. And I thought, oh, I just want to do something, but I don't really want to be in the the hubbub of the city and running around or going Mm -hmm. to a museum. And so someone had directed us there and it is so interesting because, I mean, for us, it was a fair bit of a drive, but you're still definitely Mm -hmm. in, in the city. And then suddenly you're in this area that feels like you could be in a little country market somewhere. And it's, it's completely serene just little uh, gravel, kind of little walkways that meander around these beautiful trees, and, and these little shops that are all yes. all are in there working, and I was just truly giddy with the place. And it's funny because I, you know, I, I thought, well, okay, I want to go take a tour around all of them before I start spending money, and, yeah. <laughs> and and I saw your store. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a handmade paint store. Like this is my name all over it, and it was closed, and I was just like. Oh, this can't. This can't be her yeah, day. I yeah. <laughs> And so it was funny. I told my husband, "Like, I'm just gonna keep circling back. Maybe she's like just <laughs> not here yet." So it was actually so exciting when I came back around and you were there. And I don't know. I don't think I've ever actually been in a handmade paint store. And it's like this apothecary candy store for artists, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. beautiful. And there's just these jars of pigments. Maybe you can walk us through. Well, I mean, before we even get to that, what made you start making paints by hand? Yeah, well, um, in
1: 2016, I was uh, already working as a botanical artist for a few years, I was teaching, it was very intense, and I was using watercolor as a medium all the time. So I became very close to watercolor um, because I, I had to practice mostly every day. I got commissions. I was teaching, so I had to study very, very much. And um, in the middle of that, I started wondering why, uh, how watercolor wor- was, <laughs> watercolors were made. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I studied art, we had only one teacher. That uh, taught us how to make our own oil paints and acrylics, mm-hmm. and I thought she was so special because all the the um, the school was oriented to conceptual art mm-hmm. and installations and very um, how do you say intellectual driven art. Yeah. And I was more of a hands on person, Mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, I started wondering about this. I started reading, researching a little bit in the internet and in books. Um, and then I realized that I had to gather a few color stones Mm -hmm. uh, because I wanted to start from scratch, like having just the raw materials and make my colors. And also we live in a mining, a mining country. Mm -hmm. Chile is a country we live mostly from extracting minerals, copper mainly so we do have all this all the colors yeah. around here in the mountains so i gathered some from a friend she's a jewel, jewelry maker
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she gave me some stones and she gave me my first, uh, first uh, granite slab yeah just a piece of granite she she was refurbishing her kitchen and she said okay here's a bit of, of granite i'm not going to use take it and i yeah. was like yeah okay yeah. <laughs> So I bought uh, a glass muller, and I just started mulling and you know smashing rocks and trying out. And first I I got this kind of concrete thing that uh, I it could paint a little bit when it was uh, wet, but then it became
0: just like another rock yeah. again. Yeah, <laughs> it's a but to get it that uh, fine, are you? So you're you're. You're pounding it, and then is it like a mortar or pestle? What do you do to get it? Yeah, mortar and pestle, and then a sieve, and then again, and many times. So So it's very exhausting. I was about to say, how long would that process take to just make a little amount?
1: Well, it depends, but it's a couple of days because then you have to wash it. In the beginning, I didn't know I had to wash it, so I I just kept all the impurities in it. So it became just like a kind of duff, Mm. you know, strange mix afterwards but then I yeah I, I kept reading and um, I started writing to painters in the US and Europe that I found you know older people older men mainly that yeah. uh, used to work with pigments so I was writing them and asking and they were giving me some tips and that's how I started. So interesting. Yeah.
0: Okay, so now you've got kind of this concrete color. How did it grow to all these beautiful shades that you have now? Well,
1: just trying out, trying out, and then uh, just keep trying and uh, until I could get the, the kind of paint that I needed. Uh, I realized that when it was so rough, it would destroy my Kolinsky brushes. Mm. So I couldn't use it with those. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I use, I use, yeah. I use very beautiful Kolinsky brushes for my botanical art, but those, uh, can't stand the, the roughness of that kind of paint. Yeah. So, well, anyway, I just started, um, just trying and I found some pigment shops around the globe. Yeah. And I decided to buy already processed pigments mostly uh, just to shorten the way a little bit. And also sometimes I I go and forage some uh, in some places. So I got some pigments from an aunt in Esther Island. Mm. She brought me some. Then, well, and, you know, just people give me rocks sometimes. And then I started just perfecting my technique. And I started making and creating these beautiful boxes. And I said, okay, I'm going to give one for me. And the rest, I sell them so I can keep doing my hobby. Right, right, right. (laughs) And then it started growing, growing. I registered my brand. And then, you know, uh, five years later, I have a shop. Wow, And And it it really,
0: it really (laughs) is beautiful. And yes, listeners, I... D- definitely bought some, and you know, kind of splurged, justifying it to myself that oh no, this is like a professional investment here, and it's not just the fact that yeah, I'm getting giddy. Like oh, I'll take one of those, and one of those, and one of those. Um, yeah, I, I have to say, I I indulge in lots of some beautiful blues and grays, and just these very subtle shades that um, I I at least don't come across very often. And mm-hmm. I have to say, it's funny. Like as a as a medium, I find watercolor really challenging at some point I want to talk even more about that but um, as I have been struggling to make a a more um, consistent sketchbook practice I, I realized watercolor is such a great medium for a sketchbook practice and yes. so I thought okay this will be my way to get more excited about a sketchbook practice is to have these lovely um, Watercolors that have a special meaning to me now, too, mm-hmm, because I know mm-hmm. where they're from and I associate them with you. And, um, I that's usually the kind of um, it's almost like your Altoids box. I need that little something yes. that, that grounds yes. me to, in fact, I i wonder do they fit in a little Altoids box? Could you, yeah, uh, they do, things? they you can use it. Yeah, yeah, so that's a clever course. idea, sure. I'd yeah, probably you can million. use the
1: lid to, for mm-hmm. example, make you your palettes and and. Mm-hmm point out the colors you have and then you store them there yes. you can put a little magnet
0: uh under the the, the little pans. trays Yeah. Mm-hmm, pans. Yes. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i love that <laughs> well um and so for folks and we'll make sure we have links in the show notes but for folks yes. who want to see your store and possibly have their own of handmade paints from you what's the best way for them to find that
1: well, uh, you can go straight to my website, which is, uh, www.biedrasyagua.com. Uh, maybe we have, we'll, we'll put we the link have to yeah. write it down. Yeah. Yes. And I also have a shop in Etsy now. Okay. Uh, so it's easier for people who speak only English to read about, about it and know the products better than if it's all in Spanish gotcha. and it's has the same name. So we can uh, add that uh, that link also.
0: Yeah. And do you, are you finding that your customers are primarily in Chile or they're visiting your shop or, or how is that going for you? Well,
1: you know, it's uh it's an interesting mix because uh, in, uh, in my shop in the physical shop, uh, we do get lots of uh, tourists from all over the world and they do value very much this work. They really like it and, and uh, they find it something different. Well, because it's not very common to find around here, Um, so they really like it and they take their colors. And many people also are just um, starting their trip, so they take their materials uh, to their vacations so they can paint around, I don't know, the desert or Patagonia. So I think it's a very good um, compliment if you are traveling to take with you. And, uh, well, also lots of people from Chile, because um, uh, we... In my country, we have all the brands, the typical brands, industrial brands like Winsor Newton, Daniel mm-hmm. Smith, Old Holland, etc. But these brands don't have um, genuine mineral pigments in their collections, in their catalogs. They are all um, uh, industrial pigments, modern pigments. So these pigments have a, a real value because uh, I do use uh, raw minerals
0: just straight from the stone to the brush so do you see a difference um, like if i'm painting on the same surface with one of the more um readily available brands the big brands mm-hmm. versus your handmaids what what might i see in the difference when i'm looking at them
1: well uh, in terms of quality i think they are similar because uh, both industrial big brands uh, professional brands have very 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 good quality of paint and so they are very um pigmented Mm -hmm. they you can you can take lots of color for a very small amount of paint yeah and that's very good and that happens in both uh kinds of watercolor uh but when you're painting with uh, natural mineral pigments you get shades that you're not finding easily in the industrial world because these are very unique pigments that the industry is trying to imitate for example ultramarine blue is the imitation of lapis lazuli, right. but even though I don't work with the finest lapis lazuli in the world, we, because it's just unreachable for me. It's very, very expensive. Yeah. I I work with a lower grade, but it's also so beautiful. It's very, it's a very, I don't know. It's like a very noble blue. You mm-hmm. know, it's uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's got a this aura in it that. Uh, even though my ultramarine, it's very beautiful, it's very intense blue. The other one has this something you know that makes it different and they have a a beautiful granulation so if you want to work more with the material itself like with the body of the paint Mm -hmm. you can find very beautiful effects in in natural colors like for example I really love chromite which is a brown very simple mineral but it's beautiful when you paint with it. it it does have different grains going on
0: yeah.
1: blacks and browns yep. and the under layer is a bit pinkish so it's very interesting so they do have these nuances that are very special to them and this doesn't happen in the other pigments the other pigments are very strong they're very they are their color yeah you know, it's like I am yellow, so he's yellow. Yeah, uh, but they don't have variations in the in the material itself. So yeah. that's why I love uh, mineral pigments because they do have these
0: little things. Well, it's interesting. You're, this conversation is reminding me when we were also in Chile and we were down in the the wine areas and at a very mm-hmm. small craft manufacture uh, vineyard, and mm-hmm. they were talking about you know from season to season they will have slight nuances in. There and their grapes, whereas the bigger producers really strive to have this consistency that there is yeah, no variation. Yeah, yes. and so that's really the difference in whether it's paint or wine is that those beautiful nuances that are a little bit different each time are what really make. I don't know. It's like a soul to to, yes. to the to yes. the art material that really comes through. So. I find it really interesting. Yeah, exactly. It's
1: like if you go back to the botanical art world, it's very different to see uh, a very beautiful illustration that someone made digitally, Mm -hmm. that it's totally um, valid and it's okay. But when you see one of the master painters uh, and she's done an amazing uh, image of a flower or a plant, then just the difference is huge when you can see the hand of the person behind
0: it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that, how you got to the world of botanical painting. So you you did study fine art in college, is that right? Yes, yes, yes. And where
1: did And then in the Universidad Católica, which is one of the biggest universities here, is a very uh, important big uh, university. And uh, I've been related to it during my whole professional life as well, doing classes there um and after art i was so lost you know i was mm. i was like 21 years old super lost i didn't know what to do like there's no uh, all the other um uh, professions you you get out if you're a nurse you go work in the hospital or if you are a you know an engineer you go and work in the i don't know where right, but right, you work. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and when, you, when you're an artist it's like okay now what right. nobody wants you for anything, right? And you're too young, and uh, you don't, you know, nothing, and so it's kind of, uh, it's very, um, uh, it's stressing. It's yeah. it's difficult. So I decided to go for education afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I studied one year of education, and I became an art teacher. Mm-hmm. And I went working in schools as an arts teacher, um, from fifth grade till the last year. You know, so children and and young people. And I was there for like five years working as a teacher. I really loved it. But the school system is so, you know, terrible. It's like uh, I was so idealistic and yeah. I couldn't do most of the things I wanted, you know, yeah. that kind of story. So yeah. I, in a moment, I also uh, separated from my, from my partner, which is now my husband, who's now my husband. And I went living to Easter Island Ugh. because I have family in Easter Island. Really? My Scottish uh, great-grand-uncle, uh, my great-grandfather's brother, went working in a company in Easter Island. At the same time, my my great-grandfather was working for the same company in Tierra del Fuego.
0: Wow. So, well, help our listeners who, who can't quite remember, like, Easter Island, why do I know that? Tell us about Easter Island because well,
1: Easter Island is an island in the middle of nowhere in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> but the closest thing one- is
0: Chile, which is
1: still not very <laughs> yeah. really close.
0: But if you're in Patagonia, yeah. uh, it's a maybe a two, three hour flight. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Oh, to Easter Island, it's a five hour flight.
0: Okay. Even further. Yeah. Yeah. But that's yeah. as close as you're ever uh, going to get to Easter Island. when.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. And the next Thing is, uh, Tahiti. Yeah. Another five hours or seven hours. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in the middle of nowhere. It's very small. Uh, it was, uh, colonized by Polynesians in the year, uh, thousand, 1100 maybe. And they established, um, a very, very rich culture. And, well, now there's a, lots of discussion of how it ended up, if it was because of themselves or, or because um, Europeans came in and did their thing. So yeah. there's a lot of discussion uh, today. But, well, it's a very interesting place. I love it. And people often here associate
0: the big... Um what do we call the sculptures that are there? That are moai.
1: Yeah, yeah, the moais. They are there. There's these big bodies, faces, just laying everywhere in the island. Uh, yeah, it's a very special place, and it's one of the three tips of the Polynesian triangle, which is
0: Hawaii, New Zealand, and Easter Island. And so you you are out of school you're finished teaching and need to or just looking for something else and you end up in easter island what are you doing there well
1: uh there first i was a waitress i was uh you know tourist guide i was everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) i did all the possible jobs in the tourism industry and then I I started working with my aunt, Sonia Haua, which is a very important uh, archaeologist uh, from the island. And she's uh, my mentor. Mm -hmm. So I went working with her uh, in her archaeology office and I was the official photographer. So I was every day going to the field and taking pictures of all the sites Uh, we were um, making a kind of catalog of all the island sites, which are many, many, many. So there I learned a lot about the landscape, the archeology. span Yeah, it was a very, very, very good experience. And she was the one who pushed me into scientific drawing Mm. because she commissioned my first uh, drawing that was the inside of a cave, like the profile of a cave. So I had to spend like four days with another young archaeologist making the map of a
0: new cave. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah, like under the earth with a lamp and a rope, and both of us very like crawling inside the cave, just drawing. And you
0: would be drawing inside the cave. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. (laughs) So that was yeah. I had prior. I had many adventures there. I bet. And so prior to that time, were you interested in botanical work or any sort of drawing of nature?
1: Yeah. Well, no, because. I was always very good uh, with drawing mm-hmm. since very little, but art school was so full of conceptual art and kitsch and yeah. other stuff that I was totally put away from from drawing. Yeah. So this was a chance to reconnect with nature, with uh, drawing, and I, I said like, "Wow, I wish that I had known this before." Yeah, even I I wanted to study archaeology too when I um, finished school, but Finally, I decided to go to art anyway. So when I came back from the island after, well, after working with her, I was a teacher in the school there as well, mm-hmm. in the high school. Uh, I had a very good time. I also there, I could uh, start working with the students in land art, you know, art and nature. We did many things. And when I came back, uh, my aunt Sonia commissioned me like 83 Uh, illustrations of plants, birds, and mollusks from the island. And I didn't have an idea about botanical drawing or scientific drawing. So I had to start, again, reading by myself, buying books from Amazon, writing to people, and just starting out from zero.
0: Yeah, that's well. I love the story of having this aunt that serves both as a mentor and yeah, and, and a real supporter for you. But that every time this st- sort of opportunity comes along, you just dive in and just start researching and finding your I way do. through it. <laughs> and I also love, you know, when I first was reading about your your experiences, um, there's something about botanical illustration that conjures up. I guess we. I tend to associate it almost with a different time of when the explorers often mm-hmm. coming from Europe, but British, you know, going out for the museums yes. and doing their expeditions and cataloging all these strange and exotic. So it sounds, that's what it is. It feels very exotic and foreign and old. And so it's so interesting that here you are, this young, vivacious person taking on what feels like an old art form. And bringing it new and so what was that like i mean just to start spending your time with these just little kind of i don't know how big are these drawings i'm I'm assuming they're kind of small
1: no no i always work with uh minimum uh, an a3 format oh okay
0: yeah Ah. so uh
1: my latest drawings are a full sheet yeah okay so yeah i always uh paint uh um, life-size drawings which is kind of the standard uh, for botanical art you always um work one-to-one
0: yeah okay
1: that makes sense so, yeah real size yeah. so you can get all the details all the little shapes and forms and all the parts of a plant in a single sheet um so yeah i first uh, I had a, this very romantic view of uh, botanical yeah. illustration and I felt myself like an explorer because I was coming back from the island. Well, yeah, you just came back from Easter culture. Island, we're going <laughs> to yes. say. It's like, you know, I, I
0: just imagine this safari <laughs> hat or something and a net. Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was uh, it was a very, very interesting time of my life. Um, well, I, st- I still keep going and I have my friends and I have family there, so... I have a very strong connection uh, till now, but, um, so I started drawing and, um, I realized that I didn't know much. So I, I struggled to, I mean, I, <laughs> I had to write tons of emails until I came, I went to the botanical, uh, the Royal Botanic Garden in Edinburgh mm, in Scotland.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I earned a scholarship. Uh, and I went there studying for four months. Uh, and then I I became a more professional botanical artist.
0: So what kind and, of yeah, things um, make a, a really good professional botanical artist? Like what type of techniques or skills did you have to learn?
1: Well, first you have to learn observation. And you have to remove your own ideas and conceptions uh, that you might have when you're going to look at uh, a plant or a subject. Yeah. So there's no space for imagination or or your own way of doing things in a way that it could it shouldn't alter the the truth of the plant. So yeah. you have to be very uh strict about drawing what you see. Yeah. So it's very good in the beginning to to train your uh left brain, right brain situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can uh, look at things in a very objective way and just take all your um, assumptions out yeah. of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the first. And then you have to train your drawing skills. So you need to um, relearn how to take the pencil, how to make your lines uh, long and smooth and, and beautiful, Um Yeah, you need to you need to learn a lot, to relearn a lot because it's very different than what you learn in art school. Yeah. So it's another kind of uh uh approach uh, to drawing. It's almost its own
0: language of you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
1: interesting. But I think that it should be included in the art Mm education for artists as well, because it it's really a mind opener, an eye opener. So I think it's, uh, it could be good. Yeah, and uh, listening
0: to you, I realize like, you know, I'm totally guilty of um, my brain just fills in and then I'll just kind of loosely kind of other flowers or other yeah, lines of that's leaves. Normal. Or little, you know, <laughs> it just it really doesn't have the focus. I don't stay with it to, to stick with one tiny little thing. And that's probably a really interesting exercise for all of us, even yes. if, if we don't do this to it's like a form of exercise to go through that. Yeah, it is, it is. And
1: it's very, um, it's like a form of meditation as well, mm-hmm. because you get so involved with your subject that you just forget about everything else and, and you can use it as a, as a way of disconnecting and, you know, just uh, calming. I think it's very, it's very soothing as well. Yeah. But it's also very demanding, and it can be exhausting too. I bet sometimes. Is there <laughs> is
0: there a color palette that's expected, or do you have any kind of leeway with choosing? I don't know how you work with color. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, the color work is another universe as well because you have to be as. Um, as close to the real colors as you can. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, colors are limited in painting, so you have to you have to learn to use a very limited palette to um, achieve very intricate uh, effects. Yeah. You know, so uh, I mainly work with a very limited palette. I use i I use only three colors to start a painting. I choose a blue, a red, and a yellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I choose the primary colors that I uh, think that are the ones that make, can make the closest palette to the subject i 'm painting mm-hmm. and then when i go I go forward and I start seeing other other little details, I can add a fourth color a fifth color in order to uh, get closer to to what i 'm looking for but I think it's very important you when you're uh, painting this uh realistic subjects that you use a very limited palette to create a believable atmosphere Mm -hmm. so you don't uh, put together pears and apples and oranges Mm -hmm. in a soup Mm -hmm. so you work only with apples Mm -hmm. and you get a beautiful apple family in your painting you know what I mean yeah Yeah. that
0: makes sense if you well if you could only have one color if somebody told you um, that you could only pick the one color what do you have a favorite go-to that like oh this always makes a painting great if I start with
1: well, I can give you um, uh, a three color list yeah uh, if you want to paint like uh, almost any plant and have just this three color palette to start mm-hmm. you can have indigo blue yeah. uh, you can have Indian yellow hmm and Alizarin
0: Crimson. Well, who knew I could be a botanical artist because I love all those <laughs> three shades. I'm just missing a <laughs> few of the skills, but but I'm on track with the color there palette. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Well, and so you've gone to Scotland um, and then you come home. Do you have opportunities for work or how do you go about building a career around that? Yes.
1: Well, I was already working for the Natural History Museum here. So they occasionally bought my pieces and I, I was drawing for them sometimes, uh, fish, plants and other subjects. And, uh, after Scotland, I was, uh, they, they prepared me to, uh, give a course here in Chile. Mm-hmm. So I started working in my university. Uh, but in the Geography Institute. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I was uh, for seven years teaching um, a certificate in botanical illustration from the Royal Botanic Garden, Edinburgh. So we had a a diploma that was uh, given by my university and the garden. Uh, So I was seven years doing that course until uh 2019 when we had a social outburst here in Chile and then the pandemic came so uh the course was shut down because I couldn't give that course online yeah uh, because it's a too complicated course I didn't want to uh transform it in an online version yeah
0: are you able to teach that again or is it yeah, well, they're they're
1: calling me back to start over this year, but I'm I'm not decided yet mm. because I'm really into my new business. Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm going to start teaching in my shop. Nice. I'm trying to get another shop that I can uh, transform into a, a a classroom. Oh, how nice! So I want to just keep teaching by myself and maybe invite others, uh, other artists to teach their their stuff. So I maybe, I want to stay independent yeah. without any institution yeah. behind me this yeah. time.
0: Yeah. Well, what were some of the things with your students at the university? What did they struggle with? What did you see as an areas you'd always have to help them try to overcome?
1: Uh, well, first uh, patience. patience. Mm-hmm uh that i think that people today well it's happening to all of us but we want results immediately Mm -hmm. like immediately like now today Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like
0: tiktok time (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) yes like uh, 20 seconds right Uh, Yeah. So I always explain to them and even to the people that I teach online or whenever I teach is like, I'm not going to take you out of this course with a finished painting and a title that says that you are a botanical artist. I'm going to give you a set of tools that you're going to use from now on to build up your skills. Yeah. So that's what you're going to do. You're, I'm not going I'm not guaranteeing that you're going to be a botanical artist yeah. when we finish. But I'm giving you very good tools to start yeah. and to continue and to pursue with discipline for years. Yeah. That's that's uh, how it works.
0: Well, and yeah. those skills they can take if they can master those skills, it can go into the botanical artistry or elsewhere you know in in yeah uh, yeah, because it's just art yeah
1: it's art techniques and mostly it's an attitude i think Mm -hmm. it's a it's a way of working that it's very consistent um very uh, you have to be good to yourself and value your achievements but also be aware of your limits Your difficulties and keep working on those to perfect your, your art. So, yeah, because uh, botanical art is like that. I mean, if you go to an international contest, which is full of them in, in Europe and in the US, there are many, many places where you can send your art and get medals. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to be, uh, you have to meet the standards. Mm -hmm. If you don't meet the, the standards, you're not even entering the competition. So, Yeah, and uh, I think it's an art that deserves that discipline. And um, if you translate this way of working to another uh, art technique, it's impossible that you fail or that you don't learn or you you don't enjoy it.
0: Because, uh, yeah, it's just a a way of being, I think. Well, what do you think it is, you know, in the age where photography has become... So prevalent. I mean, the the cameras on our phones now are ridiculously good and easy for anyone to use. What's different, or what makes? Why would someone want a botanical illustration versus a beautiful high resolution photograph of a of a plant?
1: Yeah, well, I think it's uh, it's as simple as that. A drawing, a beautiful painting, just beats. Uh, a photography because it was handmade yeah and you can see the lines you can see where the brush strokes go to you can you wonder how this person did such a beautiful work um you see the paint you see i don't know the texture of the paint and you see how it beautifully uh represents that plant or whatever subject so hand handmade stuff has something you know it uh, yeah, I mean, it's
0: maybe that's uh, part of' it. Like, it makes you, yeah, it makes you look. you know you yes. you look closer like now I have a tendency to gloss over beautiful photographs. I've come to expect beautiful photographs. so even if I'm looking at a whether it was a medical book or a science mm-hmm. book, I would assume there to be beautiful photographs. But when I see something drawn, I look closer at it, which should be yeah, the point because
1: you wonder how 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 was it made? Yeah. Uh, what's the technique uh, the artist used, and I think that uh, in botanical art and well, mostly what's happening, happening here in Chile is that uh, now it's in a boom. You know, like everyone is learning. It's it's very very big now. I think it has uh, brought a lot of awareness of our flora mm-hmm. because uh, drawing hits people so directly. You get in- engaged. Quicker than with only photos. Yeah. So you you fall in love with with the drawings with the plants. So it's bringing lots of awareness, and uh, I think it's been um, how do you say an improvement of our relationship with plants, with our local plants. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah because it has that power. It's it it's communication. It's one to one communication. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well so when you're painting do you use live specimens or how what do
1: you work from? Yes live live specimens mostly uh, when it's uh, when it's possible. So um, I should wait till I can find the real plant uh, to to draw it so um, uh, that could be you know scary for many people because yeah you can, If you, you love, for example, rare plants that are in difficult places, of course, it's difficult to get there and to get the plants, but then you open the door of your, to your yard, to your little backyard or front yard, and you have little weeds, you, you have lots of things you can paint around you. So I really do recommend people go out and they find just whatever, mushrooms in autumn, Whatever they find, they can take it and and use it as a subject. And it's always better to work with a real thing because you have a four, a three D uh, appreciation. Yeah. Um, whereas a, a photo is two dimensional and it's giving you only thirty percent of the information. Yeah. You can turn it around yeah. and see how's the back of the thing. Right. So yeah, and the color is always there in the real thing.
0: Well, I'm sure though that part of it is back to that training is. Um, telling your brain not to fill in but just see what's really there you know exactly, you know yes. we've been trained a mushroom is white or mushroom is this or that but that's not true at all if you know you look and it's just a whole smorgasbord of colors um, particularly <laughs> yes. those mushrooms in Patagonia i have to say those were some fascinating and it's autumn there so that it seemed like there was a real plethora of colors and shapes and mm-hmm. sizes so oh, that's uh, so well is there like a dream project that you wish uh, one day or I really would love to be able I don't know, something big, maybe not big, but just something that you think about.
1: Yeah, I do. Um, Well, what I'd love to do now, because now I'm a bit, um, uh, I'm giving botanical illustration a break Mm -hmm. right now because uh, I was doing it for many years. So I got a little um, tired of it. Uh, I love it still, but it's rigorous, you know, I can see how it would be. Yes. And yeah. So what I want to do next, once I finish up a few things, I want to write a book about watercolor and color. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to do that. Uh, Just taking out all my knowledge from botanical illustration to what I'm doing now with pigments and color and how paint works, uh, you know, I would I would love to write a book about it. Yeah, with beautiful uh,
0: pictures, of course, right? All the things. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. and it is very highly visual. <laughs> it's such an exotic uh, story about colors. I mean, anytime I've found books that are like the history of colors and and you know where they come from and all these places around the globe, they it is it's an exploration. It's um, it's a real adventurous kind of story yes. there. So, oh, I hope you do that because I know I would love to see it and yeah, see and read too, it. So yeah. I hope. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So that's my my next uh, project that I would like to
0: to do. Yeah. Well, we'll be watching. That's that's very exciting. <laughs> well, before we go today, is there anything else like for someone just getting started? You know, I find watercolor to be a very challenging medium. I find it very unforgiving, but um, maybe before we even wrap up, let's talk about watercolor for a minute um What is it mm-hmm. you love about it
1: well uh first and foremost uh that it's um I love it because it's uh it's a true medium of the you know classical painters. Mm-hmm. it's a noble medium mm-hmm. it's old and um I think it it now it's more valued but it was underrated for a long time yeah. Uh, I didn't get any watercolor classes in art school it was like mm-hmm. oh, watercolor that's for all ladies yeah. you know <laughs> was like what <laughs> and it's like the whole world has been documented in watercolor yeah. for centuries it's not uh it's not a little thing you know it's uh it's very very important so anyway i like it for that and because it's very portable yeah you can have just a little tin box like this They're with upwards, 10 yeah. colors your brush a little water a piece of paper and that's it you don't need for example oil painters they need lots of gadgets and uh oil and you know liquids and you get all dirty watercolor is very friendly in that right. sense it's tidy <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> <They're super tidy>. <laughs> <laughs> yes so uh and also um I think there 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 are a lot of myths around it like you said like it's very unfor- unforgiving and difficult and yeah it is but also when you get familiar with it you realize it's not it's not that much it's not uh, you can be messy with it you can be very tidy and very you know perfect mm-hmm. you can you can do anything you can do a- abstract you can do realistic paint you can do whatever you like it's so flexible so uh, versatile. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I love it because you can use it in a sketchbook mm-hmm. and just, you know, just do a little kind of, you know, brush strokes and write something next to mm-hmm. it. Or you can make this very super uh, detailed study of a flower with all the parts and then you can do a landscape. So I love it because of that. And because the colors are so beautiful and the transparency also is beautiful Although now I'm also going into gouache I win- that yeah. I love as well, mm-hmm. yeah, which is a, a, a sister paint, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's uh, it's also a very very fun medium to explore.
0: Yeah, it can be very helpful for illustration, I would assume, to have some. Gouache yeah,
1: yeah, and yeah. The, the colors also are super vibrant mm-hmm. and, and beautiful, and it's also easy to carry, easy to yeah. you
0: know to start with. Yeah, do you have a favorite brush or brush size?
1: Yeah, well, luckily I have my, my, all my brushes here. And let me show you. Um, yes, I love my uh, Winsor & Newton Series 7 brushes. Mm-hmm. This, is, uh, this is a number six that I use only for water, uh-huh. for wetting the paper. Okay. And this, this one, I have it since I went to Edinburgh.
0: Uh-huh. Nice.
1: So it has 10 years and it's a jewel, it's uh, it's such a good brush, and it's already you see the, the ferrule, it's yeah. like a copper color because the it's so warm. Yeah, um, I love this brush, and also this other brush, which is a Rosemary and Company uh-huh. Kolinsky Sable Brush number 10, also for only for water. And uh, I also, well, I love my um. My Winsor and Newton uh, Series Seven number ones. Yeah, I I usually don't use uh, the super tiny brushes, mm-hmm. but this one has the most beautiful tip. When it's wet, you can make a really like a uh, tiny hair with it, mm. but also it paints a little bit more because it's thicker than a zero or double zero yeah. brush.
0: Do you use pencil or pen or ink with any of your drawings, or only watercolor? No, I I usually use only watercolor. Wow. All right. Well, I guess the only thing we're going to have in common is that love of those three colors. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, this has been so interesting, and I I am just so glad that I stumbled into your shop. Um, I encourage everyone to go take a look at these beautiful colors. It's just very exciting. And I really do hope you you create your book, because I think we would all uh, really... Benefit from from your experiences and seeing how you share the stories of those colors. So, thank you so much. And again, b- before we leave, anything you would like to share with maybe some people getting started?
1: Yeah. Well, just uh, um, uh, buy if you want to start with uh, botanical art or watercolor in general. Just don't buy lots of colors at the beginning. Just buy two blues, two yellows, two reds, and then you're done. Just make your balanced palette a cool yellow, a warm yellow, a cool red, a warm red, a cool blue, a warm blue, and there there you go. Just don't go for uh, lots of colors. Here in Chile, there's now a like a kind of tendency to buy all the brands and all the sets and all the colors. And even though I sell colors, I'm always telling people, buy exactly what you need to start. Don't spend all your money in colors. Just try to improve your painting first. So that's my first advice. And that's all you need.
0: And then don't go into your shop because then you will break all those rules (laughs) and you will want to buy one of (laughs) everything. Well, thank you so much. This was just really a pleasure. And I hope to get to see you again in person. Thank you, Christy. Thanks for having me. Well, that wraps it up for us today. You can find Jerry's luscious watercolor paints at piedrasyagua.com. That's P-I-E-D-R-A-S-Y-A-G-U-A dot com. And her own botanical watercolor paintings on Instagram at Naturalista Mac. That's N-A-T-U-R-A-L-I-S-T-A-M-A-C. I love Jerry's adventurous, confident spirit. It seems anytime she is presented with a new opportunity, rather than focusing on what she doesn't know, she just rolls up her sleeves and starts investigating reading, and perhaps most important, learning from others who have already gone there. I love the juxtaposition of artist-archeologist, that we are on an exploration to create something new from something old. I wish Jerry could bottle her patient, keen observation skills and sell it alongside her beautiful boxes of paint. I think we're all seeking to capture the truth of the plants of our art practice. Note to self. Remove all of your assumptions and observe your truth in whatever form it may take. Until next time, stay kind, stay positive, and keep swimming.